and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The issues around um, uh, around Coach Payton were had nothing to do with the money, the compensation that we would be paying him. It was all the compensation, the, the draft compensation to right. the Saints, and we just weren't willing to go with with what the Saints wanted uh, us to give up. It would would have been too costly to the team for us to rebuild that roster, and and it was really a series of trade offs. And I still felt like we've got great coaches out there that can that can you know get this team turned around. I think we were right when you look at JG. So not dollars. That wasn't the reason that mm-hmm. the uh, Cardinals didn't uh, finalize anything with Sean Payton, but mm-hmm. uh, Michael Bidwell says trade compensation. That was part of our interview with Michael Bidwell yesterday. He was kind enough to spend some time in studio, answer a lot of questions on what has happened this offseason. That was one of the things that came up. Um, and, you know, we, we were so busy with interviews yesterday, Vic. We were just packed to the gills with guests. We didn't really get a chance to to go back and, and reflect on, on what Michael Bidwell said. So, you, Or what anybody said. Yeah, or, in what fact, anybody if said, you're really. going to list your, the top five moments of yesterday, yesterday's Newsmakers Week alone, let's, let's riff here. Um, you would have to put Michael Bidwell in the comment um, about Sean Payton, which we're going to get into. You'd have Ray Anderson talking about how whatever media deal is going to be is going to come to the Pac-12. It's going to be less than anyone anticipated, but enough to keep the conference whole. We'll yeah. see if that actually turns out to be the case. We heard James Jones say, I love Matt Ishbia. He's funny. <laughs> We heard Jerry Colangelo we heard, say other similar things about we, Matt Ishbia. We heard Jerry Colangelo give a big stamp of approval. Uh, I like this guy. I get a good feeling from this guy. And and then you got, there was one other thing of significance. What was it? It was, it was, who else did we have on yesterday, Vinny? Uh, let's see. Monty Austinfort. Monty Austinfort. Mm-hmm. Keep, Keep going. Tori Lovello. Michael, Michael Bidwell. Jerry Colangelo. James Jones. Ray Anderson. Brian Mueller. Andre Brian Turney. Mueller. Yes. Brian Mueller, who mm. came out and said that college basketball is on the verge of a renaissance. Yes. That was interesting, wasn't it? Because of NILs and kids are going to stay in college now because they're going to make more money in college than heading off to the G League. But will they stay at one college? Yeah. <laughs> 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 they might stay in college, but there might be a whole lot more transferring. Right. And, and NIL seeking on there. But in terms yeah. of relevance, there's nothing more important than this this revelation that according to Michael Bidwell, it was what the Saints wanted in return for Sean Payton that made them walk away from this deal, which is very interesting for a couple of different reasons. Number one, they had to have a preliminary com- conversation with Mickey Loomis and the Saints to kind of go, okay, you know this is going to cost you something, right? Yes. Okay, you know it's what we're looking for, right? Yes. Okay, great. You may proceed. So at one point in time, the Cardinals signed off on the idea that we will give you something. Yes. The Broncos ended up giving the Saints the number 29 overall pick in the upcoming draft. They gave them their second round pick next year. They got back next year's third round pick in return. So they gave up a late first round pick this year. And they how, how would you categorize their net gain? They moved. They just let go of a third and got a second. I, I didn't think it was prohibitive what Denver gave up. Same. But Denver also had the luxury of having that extra pick at the end of the first round. 
In our discussion with Michael mm-hmm. Bidwell, I got the feeling, and he didn't go into details on it, and he never said it. This was just me interpreting and reading between the lines, and I might be totally off. Mm-hmm. I got the feeling the Saints wanted the number three overall selection. Uh, now, I was told flat out that the Saints knew that was off the table, and if the Saints ended up accepting 29 overall, they wouldn't be demanding number three overall. If that's where Sean Payton wanted to go, if Sean Payton wanted to end up in Arizona, the Saints wouldn't have gone, okay, we want that third overall pick because Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis are very, very close. Okay, so you following me here? Yes. So so if if that were the case, I don't I don't think that's it. But here's what here's what I do think it is. I think from Michael Bidwill, who made the comment during the interview yesterday, you know, this whole thing about leaders of men, it's really cliche. I think what Michael Bidwell was telling us is that Sean Payton's a good coach, but let's stop with this Hall of Fame stuff. Like the gap between him and the other coaches that were available were not was not worth giving right. up draft pretty, capital. Yeah. That's what he was saying. And it, it, and so yesterday afternoon, I started this. This was tumbling through my head. Okay, and we we've seen footage of Michael Bidwell walking around with Sean Payton. Michael Bidwell's not acting like he's in the company of greatness. Also, when you asked him about, like, oh, your history with Sean Payton being ball boys or whatever, he was like, yeah, I guess he was there. I don't really remember. <laughs> no, he, that's Look, not what he said. I don't really no, remember no, him no. specifically. <laughs> Some guy. He, he was there, and he talked about him being a player. <laughs> it's at, kind of what he said. I, 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 yes, I'm, I'm paraphrasing really what he said. Let's be honest. Michael Bidwell was the owner's son at that point. He yeah. wasn't shagging football. He wasn't running around with water bottles and things like that. Somebody was feeding him grapes. Here was more follow-up on Michael Bidwell's comments on Sean Payton and moving on from that possibility. Well, when they're asking a lot of it was, it, was, it was like okay, we're gonna have yeah, some, a couple of conversations, out, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna see if we can we can structure this in a different way. Which was was some of the ideas that that I brought. They were unwilling to to structure it in a different way. And you know, while we were hoping that that uh, you know there there wasn't uh, you know uh, somebody out there that would pay that compensation because you know we knew if there was you know we're we're probably out of it. And then and then it, it that oh. all came together with Denver, but we were still. Uh, but having said that, okay. we knew there were great coaches out there. So if you know some of those in that category of um, some of, some of the deals you do, you know we're going to be really happy. And versus the deals you don't do, we're going to be really happy with those draft choices this year and next year that we'll have on at the draft that will help us get this team better quickly. With what Jarrett so, said about the gap between Sean or this perceived gap, and we we bought into it a little bit in mm-hmm. that whole process between. Sean Payton and the rest of the coaches that were available in this coaching cycle. Yes, right now you can say, what, what is that gap? We don't know. But I think Sean Payton is in the perfect place to elevate that perception that he is one of the elite mm-hmm. coaches. He's going to a disastrous situation in Denver. They were awful. No, he's got to work with a quarterback now who's got a uh, you know an albatross of a contract uh, with that organization in, in Russell Wilson. If he can get things right and get Denver back to the playoffs, we're ne- this time next year we're probably talking him uh, about him well, being worth all that compensation. And, and, and I still think he is, personally, from my vantage point, and this is just, this is Michael Bidwell's side of the story, that it's still very possible that Sean Payton did not want to come to Arizona. It's mm-hmm. very possible. Sean Payton told Mickey Loomis, ask for the moon from Arizona because I want to go to Denver. Th- there's many permutations yes. of what might have happened here. Okay, it's, just, it's interesting from Michael Bidwell's perspective, and you heard him at 
at the end of that last cut that you'll enjoy the draft picks we have this year and next year. So th- that's that's what the Saints wanted, mm-hmm. a pick this year and next year. And and it also could be an indictment of just how bad the roster is here that they can't afford to sacrifice that draft capital. Not after, well, not after punting draft picks for Chosen Anderson. <laughs> not after dra- punting draft picks for Trayvon, Hollywood Brown. Trayvon Mullen. Trayvon Mullen. Yeah. Um, and considering that yeah. basically during the Steve Keim tenure of a decade, they yeah. they hit on two drafts. And, and maybe and maybe sheer competence, just bo- baseline competence from a GM and a head coach yeah. will make a huge impact here. That's a great point uh, on the draft compensation. Coming up next, we will shift our focus to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Their Cactus League schedule gets underway tomorrow. And we will talk to the architect of the D-backs. General Manager Mike Hazen joins us for Newsmakers Week next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Newsmakers Week with Bickley and Murata Mornings. The Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, yesterday we got a chance to speak to manager Tori Lavello about the D-backs, their upcoming season. Now we get to talk to the architect of uh, their roster. General manager Mike Hazen joins us for Newsmakers Week 2023, and he checks in on the Arizona Sports Line. Mike, uh, good morning to you. Thanks so much for joining us early this morning. We appreciate it. Good morning, guys. Yeah. Um, so overall, you know, there's a lot of optimism about the Arizona Diamondbacks with you know some of the young players in the organization. Uh, obviously, a lot of talk about the top prospects. Uh, as we are, you know, the day before your Cactus League opener uh, and reflecting on the off season, how are you feeling about everything that you've put together? Yeah, I uh, I appreciate the optimism. Uh, it is now on us to turn the optimism into more wins than we had last year. That be, that's the hard part. It's easy to get excited about what you think is going to happen. Um, it's on us to be able to translate that uh, on the field. But you know, I think I think as I look back a year over year, or even you know two years over coming to this year, I think the base of talent on this team is certainly better. Um, I think we're better positioned. I think there's more depth. I think we have uh, areas that are starting to back up on us a little bit, which is a good thing, especially on the pitching side, um, where we ran a foul in 21 uh, and a little bit into 22. But, you know, when, when you start taking on injuries and, and you start having guys starting games that, you know, maybe – you know, you're not really in uh, as you go through it. That's a key part of getting through a 162-game schedule. So we feel better about that. Um, so far, so good injury-wise. Everybody seems to be in a good spot, and we'll see what happens starting tomorrow. All right, so what are your what are your thoughts on this, Mike? Because I ran this by Derek Collin, and his response immediately was to kind of laugh out loud at this because it, even though people can get excited about the youth and the prospects and all that stuff, a cynic would say, okay, how are you going to compete with the Dodgers and the Padres? And there is is an element of runaway spending in Major League Baseball that I don't know whether it commands a day of reckoning or not. Your thoughts on that? The the talent gap, the payroll gap, uh, how much of this is an impediment for you? Yeah, uh, look, I don't really care about payroll. I'll be honest with you. It is what it is. Like It's, it's, it's a crouch. It's an excuse. Um, I think we have every ability to go out and put a good team on the field. Do, am I blind to the difference in a uh, $150 million payroll gap on, on your payroll? No. Um, we, we, it, has, it has its advantages. And, and the biggest advantage being when somebody goes down on one of those teams that they could 
you know, buy or have a have a better player um, sitting underneath that than we might be able to have. However, we have the ability through the draft and and all and acquisitions around the league and trades and free agent signings. But we can do the same thing. We just haven't done as good a job of it as the Dodgers or the Padres. So that's the big difference. We haven't done as good of a job as the Dodgers and the Padres. And so, you know, the payroll is what it is. There are definite some advantages there. It's not. It's not an impediment to us being a good baseball team and ultimately getting to the playoffs. And that's all I really care about. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we'll see what happens. Look, everybody has to get through the 162-game schedule. Nobody is immune to injuries. Um, And so some of those things sometimes start to, you know, they'll have the same effect on those teams that they do on us. Um, It's the team that's better positioned to withstand the bad days. that will come out ahead. We haven't been better positioned to withstand the bad days. To me, that's the end of the story. Mike Hazen, general manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, on with us for Newsmakers Week 2023. One of the big moves uh, you made during the offseason, Mike, of course, the, the trade of Dalton Varsho. Very popular player coming off a productive year. He goes to Toronto. You get Moreno, you get Gurriel, and, and I know there was a lot of reaction because of Varsho and, and what he did and how he handled himself, but it's impossible not to be excited about Moreno as a prospect you know on a catcher with the d-backs can you fill our fans in on on, on what you got in, in moreno yeah i look i don't i don't want to dismiss guriel either i'll just he is an extremely good hitter in this one has been a very good sure. hitter in this league and might be one of the better hitters in our lineup um so i i don't want to dismiss that part of this trade which was a huge piece to that trade in order for us to get this deal done but yeah, Gabby, look, he's a, he's on the on the line of where he comes from through the game, um, being one of the top prospects in baseball. Certainly at one of the hardest, if not the hardest, positions of baseball. An area for us that we haven't done a great job in historically, in terms of you know setting ourselves up for the future. Maybe like we have in the outfield, like we have on the mound to some degree. Uh, so it was something for us where we really felt like. This was a kid that we wanted to target. He's a really good hitter. Um, We'll see where the power goes with him, but he's a really good hitter. He's always been a really good hitter. Um, We were looking to amass good hitters. We traded a good hitter to get these two guys, so I'm not blind to that. Um, What I will say is we ended up with two really good major league players in place of one. I think where we're standing as an organization, we just felt like I felt like we had to take some of those risks in order to continue to push the talent level of the entirety of our team, not just one player. I I gave up a very good, if not one of our best players in this trade. So that's never easy to do. And certainly one of the most popular guys in our clubhouse. So the reaction in there wasn't overly ecstatic when I talked to some players. Um, but look, these are sometimes the decisions I feel like we need to make to push forward in aggregate that our team is even more well-rounded and taking one player and having two that we think are really good was really the, you know, in a very basic way of looking at it, one of the driving factors in why we did what we did. Word is the, uh, the popping of fastballs in camp is a little more profound this year. Talk about the, uh, the, the import of some power arms to this organization. Yeah, um, an area specific, probably more so to the bullpen, but, you know, even in the rotation, too. 
I think as you see some of these young kids, that group of players that you've heard quite a bit about that are going to start, that started breaking in in September, well, Tommy Henry in August, but seeing, you know, Jamison and Nelson in September, you're going to see Brandon Fott at some point. Um, This group of pitchers that we have that, you know, there's some pretty good stuff here. Uh, and, and, And we've seen it in the upper minors. We've seen it breaking into the majors and, that will continue to be a thing as we go forward. And then, and certainly the biggest issue that we've dealt with over the last couple of years being the bullpen, um, you know, we just felt like we needed to continue to add power back there. And so we spent the offseason getting a bunch of guys that, yes, they throw hard, but also, you know, have secondary stuff that we feel like can get swings and misses late in games. And that's been something that's missing for us. We'll see how the bullpen shakes up. We have a lot of pitchers in this camp. Um, we'll, you know, we're going to start tomorrow starting to evaluate where that bullpen is going to come together. Mike Hazen, general manager of the Diamondbacks, our guest. And Mike's been kind enough, uh, kind enough to spend two segments. we got lots of questions as we're on the uh, eve of the Cactus League opener. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more on nice. Newsmakers Week with Mike Hazen after this on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Newsmakers Week with Bickley and Murata Mornings. The Arizona Diamondbacks. We continue Newsmakers Week 2023 with uh, the second part of our interview with General Manager Mike Hazen, who joins us, rejoins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Mike, thanks uh, for hanging out for another segment. Really appreciate it. I want to do a follow-up sure, no. on what you talked about. With One of the things I loved about last season with the Diamondbacks is you know we, we had the, 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 this influx of talent, especially at the outfield positions. And late in the season, you mentioned the influx of the pitching talent that we saw in August and September. Uh, those guys you mentioned. Uh, Tommy Henry, Brandon Fott, uh, Jamison, Nelson. How would you size up their chances of, of claiming a, a rotation spot to be, to begin the season? Well, one of them, excuse me, one of them's definitely going to claim a rotation spot based on the way we have it kind of mapped out. Yeah. Um, the the other three, you know, we'll see what happens. So it's it's a, there's a healthy amount of competition. There's going to certainly be some guys in Reno. Um, which will benefit the team. I, I know there's probably be some disappointment to those that don't make it. Um, we are going to use them all. We always do. Um, that is, I think, a difference maker over 162. It goes back to what we said in the last segment. I think when you have openings either due to injury or poor performance, that you have guys that may be equal to, if not at some cases better than what you have on your team at the current moment, that's the difference between good teams and mediocre or bad teams. Um, you're playing games where you're not missing a beat. Um, if you have that ability to go down and, and replace what you've lost um, to an equal, if not better, situation, that, that's where your team can keep going. And you don't feel the losses. In 2021, we lost four-fifths of our rotation by the end of May. Uh-huh. And we lost almost every game in June. Like it's just, it's just we that that those are the seeds to bad of how bad teams kind of um, happen in a, on a major league baseball team, and and that's something that we're committed to trying to make sure it doesn't happen again. I'm among the many who are very curious to see what the changes to MLB is are going to look like this year. The attempts to speed up the pace of the game. I'm, I'm hearing it might be more of an adjustment for hitters who like to get in and out of the box, and it will be for pitchers. What I want to ask you, though, uh, more pointedly is 
how uh, there have been people who have thought maybe this roster you've assembled built on athleticism and speed that it might be perfectly suited for the changes that are incoming to Major League Baseball. Your thoughts on that synergy? Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what happens, too. Uh, I, I'll be the first to tell you, I mean, this is a huge unknown for all 30 teams. Uh, nobody, anyone that tells you that they know how these rules are going to play out for their specific team is probably not telling you the truth. Um, however, I, my, you know, the, my gut reaction would be that speed and athleticism, given the smaller, uh, the bigger bases, the shorter gap between um, the bases, the not shifting, uh, pushing more contact, from a hitting standpoint, I, I, I think that benefits those rosters. We'll see. I think the adjustment will be for both sides. I think is I agree with you as much as the hitters not being able to step out and walk around and, you know, kind of get their breath and take their time and dictate the pace of how fast the pitcher's gonna gonna pitch. It it will be a challenge for the hitters. I think the pitchers also are gonna have to deal with because of the because of the base running rules, the pickoff rules, I think where guys could, you know, pick over as they needed to to make sure we controlled the running game, mm-hmm. now it's going to be you have to have a strategy. That's another thing that they're going to have to think about when they're out there. We try to minimize that for guys to focus on, you know, very specific things that they need to do to execute pitch to pitch. I think those are going to be the challenges for both sides. And, and how that plays itself out, who makes the adjustments the fastest, I think you might see somebody get out of the gates a little quicker than some other teams if the adjustment to those rules happens a little quicker. We are very focused on trying to be one of those teams. Mike Hazen, general manager of the Diamondbacks, our guest here as we continue Newsmakers Week 2023. Uh, you bring in a veteran, a uh, third baseman, Evan Longoria, obviously a very familiar name and face and a guy that you faced in the division for the last five years when he was with the Giants. Uh, what did, what was it about Evan that, that really stood out to you and, and made him a target for you this offseason, Mike? Well, number one being we still think he's a very good baseball player and we still need to acquire more good baseball players. Um, we felt like from that standpoint, he complimented our roster. We talked about how left-handed we've gotten, how we were very susceptible to left-handed starting pitchers last year. Mm-hmm. Even as good as our players were, we, we were very – our left-handed – I mean, we were throwing four and five left-handed hitters out there against left-handed pitching, uh, starting pitchers, and that did not work out very well for us. Uh, so this – it's a nice compliment to where we have uh, – Josh Rojas being one of our better hitters, one of our better players, you know, and being a left-handed hitting infielder, and then um, certainly all the guys in the outfield. So it, it's a it's a good compliment for us. Uh, and then and then look, we have a young team. We're looking to find ways to add experience to help these younger guys not just come up and play major league baseball, but to play for a purpose and a reason, and that reason is winning. And we haven't done a lot of that lately. Uh, we are, it's, our, it's on us to figure out a way to do that. It's one of the areas that we feel like we needed to close some of those gaps down until, you know, we develop some of our own veteran players, mm-hmm. which is going to take a little bit, given given the youth on our roster. Yeah, one of the things I like about you, Mike, is you're one of the hardcore dudes out of Boston, but it sounds like you've got a no-excuses kind of mantra going into this year. Is, is that accurate? Is that one of the themes with this team, that this is not a growth period, that this is not a year that we're just punting and kicking the can down the road? For sure. I, I feel that way. I, I mean, I don't look. I don't know where the, the National League is stacked 
there's there's some legit stacked teams in this league. Nobody nobody's blind to that. I'm not. Nobody else is. I, I have feel like I have some realistic expectations for you know where we stand versus the competition. Um, that's not accepting anything or where you're at. When in 2017 we got here, projected to win 78 games, we won 93 games. Uh, that doesn't happen by accident. That team came together. Yes, that team had players like Paul Goldschmidt on it. We acquired J.D. Martinez, so we added some real impact players. Um, I don't know where this season is going, but but my expectation is this is a good baseball team and that that baseball team, at a minimum, is going to be playing through the middle part of this season, unlike the last couple seasons, (laughs) hopefully in a position where I'm forced to go out there and do some some aggressive things at the trading deadline. Yeah. That's my that's my goal. Well, the yeah. owner has told you there is resources for you at that point in time if you are contending, so that's a good thing to look at. Um, all right, so one of the kids that I, I wanted to ask about is how is Kyle Lewis looking to you? I mean, because on, on the scale of lottery tickets, I don't know where he is, but it, he came into the game rolling hot a few years ago. And, and aside from that, are there other names that we have not mentioned that fans may not be aware of that you're like, okay, this is a kid who might pop this spring yeah um kyle's doing great he yes you only want to talk about the amount of power we acquired um and and pedigree from a draft standpoint you know what he did a couple years ago yeah if we could keep him healthy on the field i I think we're looking at a really good baseball player and a really good hitter so we'll see you know he's doing well so far um we'll see how that goes i think paven smith um you know, we kind of lost it a little bit last year, a little bit of, you know, coming off second season. We sent him down at some point. He went down, broke his wrist in his first game. So it was really unlucky. You would have seen him again. He's one of our better hitters versus right-handed pitching. Um, and we are skewed left-handed still. But, you know, we, we, we can never stack the lineup enough in that direction. Um, and, and he's another guy for me that, you know, we'll, you're gonna, I think you're going to see some from this year. Uh, he's, one of, he's, he's a good hitter. So I think offensively, I think what you're going to see from this lineup is is a little deeper, a little stronger one through nine than we've had in the past, and, and we think that's going to serve us well. Mike Hazen, the general manager of the Diamondbacks, our guest here on Newsmakers Week. Uh, last year, obviously, it was a tough year for Nick Ahmed with the injuries, so 148 games and 500 plate appearances for Geraldo Perdomo. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that was the plan going into the season. Maybe I'm wrong. How do you think Geraldo handled that, that workload, and what do you look at for uh, his future? Yeah, that was not the plan going into last season. Um, Nick is back. Uh, hopefully Nick is going to be healthy uh, uh, coming in, coming off of last year, and then coming into the season so far so good. Uh, and so that will be a huge help for us, <clears throat> especially on the defensive side at that position. Perdomo played great defensively, struggled a little bit offensively, went down into winter ball and had a good winter ball, made some adjustments. He's so young. We forget about how young he is. Um, I, he's... He has a chance to be a very good shortstop in this league, and it's going to take some time for him to continue to emerge as an offensive player. But he knows what the strike zone is, I think. I'm not sure the expectations that the power is going to, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we don't look at it. That's where he's going to contribute to this offense in a way that we really need. But we don't really need him to. We need, we need him at the bottom of the lineup to get on base as much as he can. And we had a meeting with him yesterday, and he's very accountable. He's one of our more accountable players you know, acknowledged what happened last year from an offensive standpoint and is extremely motivated to improve upon that. Yeah. Mike, thanks so much for spending a couple segments with us for Newsmakers Week. We appreciate it. Excited about the season. Best of luck, and hopefully we can chat again real Thank soon. Thank you, man.
Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Mike Hayes and Diamondbacks General Manager, our guest for Newsmakers Week 2023, uh, breaking down uh, his roster heading into the 2023 season. The 35th annual Renaissance Festival has begun. The Renaissance Festival lasts each weekend until April 3rd. We're giving you the chance to win a family four-pack of tickets. Just visit the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win. Coming up next, we will shift our focus to the Arizona Cardinals, our first chance to chat with the new head coach, JG. Jonathan Gannon joins us for Newsmakers Week here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Newsmakers Week with Bickley and Murata Mornings, the Arizona Cardinals. And it's our pleasure on Newsmakers Week 2023 here on Bickley and Murata Mornings to welcome in the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. For the first time, we get to chat with him, uh, and he's been doing a lot of chatting recently, uh, very busy with the media. Jonathan Gannon joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Coach, uh, I'm Vince. My partner is Dan. Welcome to the Valley. Congratulations on the uh, on the new gig. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Happy Friday. Yeah, same to you. Um, in this whole process, I, I thought the timing of the Cardinals co- head coaching search was very interesting from my outside perspective. And I know you had interviewed with Houston um, and the way it shook out and you know the story that you told about getting notified by Howie Roseman after the conclusion of the Super Bowl. Hey, you're sticking around to interview with the Cardinals. All that being said, with you sitting in, in your office now uh, as the head coach of the Cardinals, are you surprised that you're a head coach at the, at this point did you think that maybe it was going to be put off into the future uh yeah i mean a little bit you know i i obviously it's one of my goals it was one of my goals to be a head coach mm-hmm. and um at the time when we went out to arizona the window you know kind of closed on me i knew arizona was still open but didn't know i was going to get a chance to interview so just like you said you know he you know we got done playing and how he said, hey, Arizona wants to talk to you, and you're not going to get on a plane with us, and you're going to stay here and interview on Monday, and then, um, you know, uh, good luck to you. And, you know, obviously they want, they talked about trying to keep me, but uh, so I stayed and interviewed and then uh, ended up staying the night, interviewed some more on Tuesday, and uh, accepted the job. So that's how the NFL is. You, you never know what's around the corner, and, you know, I want our team to be adaptable, but coaches, you have to be adaptable to every situation, everyone's time frame, how those things out works a little bit different. And, um, you know, every job that I've gotten has come about in a completely different way. So I'm um, just really excited and thankful and grateful for the opportunity to talk to, to uh, Michael and Monty. And uh, glad it worked out. Well, you're checking a lot of boxes. Not only are you uh, saying all the right things, but you're saying it in, in a way that is resonating with a lot of people. It is kind of speaking to leadership and things that this program really needed. Uh, so let's start there. Let's start with accountability. I thought it was fascinating at the press conference yesterday when you talked about hot spots in meeting rooms. And I thought to myself, oh, okay, real accountability is coming to this football team. Elaborate on how are you, you are going to build that element of your culture. Yeah, you know, we just, it's, it's one of the, it's a, it's a factor that directly correlates with winning, you know, you doing your job at a high level and everybody has different roles or jobs within the organization. And I'm not just talking about the players, like everybody that's hired to be an Arizona Cardinal, they have a role in helping the player maximize themselves. And um, you, you got to be accountable to that role because it's a, it's a, 
you know, a, a business that's measured on winning and losing. And, um, and, and that's okay if everyone understands their role and who they're accountable to. And, um, you know, you got to do your job at a high level for everyone to be successful. And, you know, I always talk about it with the, with the players. It's like, you know, it's easy for them to, to, uh, understand, you have to do your job so your buddy can have success doing his. And it's the same thing with the coaches. You know, the the offensive line coach has to do a good job so the quarterback can do a good job with the quarterback and vice versa on defense. And you go through it all the or, throughout the whole organization, the strength program, the athletic training program, the director of psychology program. Everyone has a role in, in helping the players. You know, I, there was one time I got a question of, uh, who's the most important person in the building? And I, I answer the question as this, well, who's picking the players? And that's the GM, right? And then I said, okay, all right, all right, give me, give me another answer. And I said, honestly, whoever is helping the player hit their ceiling, those guys are all important. The, the head coach isn't any more important than the assistant DB coach or the strength coach or the, the head chef. We all have a role. Our roles are different, but we all have a role, and they're really all the same to me as helping the players maximize themselves. So that's how I really feel, and that's the culture we're going to have, and it's going to be high accountability. But I think it's easy to have high accountability when everyone knows exactly what their role is and what they're responsible for. Jonathan Gannon, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, our guest here on Newsmakers Week 2023, uh, about hitting ceilings. And another one of the things that you've really pushed out there is this this idea of adaptability uh, uh, on defense. We'll, we'll focus on that because adaptability is a, is a curious subject in particular to one player for a lot of Cardinals fans' minds, Jonathan, and that is Isaiah Simmons, who obviously is worlds of talent. Uh, he struggled to find a consistent role in, in, in this defense for, for three years, but showed some flash this year. Do you, is there a plan for Isaiah Simmons? Do, do you foresee maybe just locking him in at one position, or, or how do you attack that? They'll, yeah, there'll be a plan for every one of our players, you know, and part of that adaptability, that, that it's kind of a loaded word, and mm-hmm. I understand that, but how it relates to players is this. We need to get on the grass and get in the classroom and see what guys can handle and see what they can do physically as it relates to how we're going to structure the offense, defense, and special teams. But then you really just want to find spots for guys to where they can, you know, really be really um, thrive in the role that they're in. So whatever role we put our guys in, whatever positions or whatever we're asking them to do, offense, defense, special teams-wise, we want those guys to be able to excel in those roles. And, you know, I've been around a lot of players that the what coaches were asking them to do, they weren't comfortable with. And that's some adaptability to that. You know, there, you have to figure out the medium of between, okay, well, here's how you can help our team win because that's most important, how you fit into the team. And then also we want you to be a really good player too and use your skill sets. And we need to do that as coaches, figure that out as coaches, 
what those positions are. So I'm really excited to work with Isaiah. I think he can do a lot of good things. And uh, But, you know, that that's going to take a little bit of time to figure that out. Just not Isaiah, everybody mm-hmm. on our roster. As you know, because you're a smart guy, Kyler Murray's uh, has become a polarizing guy in the Valley. There's some people who think the kid needs to be knocked down a peg. He needs to be told what's what. He needs to be told to get up under center. And then there are people who say, look, if you get him elevated and you get him to being the special force that he's been, you're a playoff contender right there. You hired Drew Petzing, who is, is a guy guy that you've had on your radar for a while. Why is he the right guy? And if you don't mind, give us a look at how you are going to elevate Kyler Murray. Yeah, so, you know, what I was looking for in the offensive coordinator position was really a guy that's been in multiple schemes. That was one of the first things that I thought about, hey, you know, how do I want to how do I want the offense to look as the head coach? And really that was for this is You know, if you've only been in one scheme your whole life, that's what you know, and that's okay. A lot of people do a really good job and are highly successful with their one scheme and how they do things. But when you figure out with when you have one scheme, you have to fit those exact pieces in perfectly. And in my opinion, in the NFL today and where the game is going, I think that's part of the adaptability. You have to be able to adapt your your version of what how you're playing offense around your players. So it's not it's not I kinda use the term like, Hey guys, here's the book, here's the playbook, learn it, this is what we're doing. I, I don't like that. I really don't. I think it should be, hey, guys, what are our players can do? Who are our players? Who are we playing against? Okay, from what we know and and our systems as far as what we install and what do we have our disposal, what tools can we use to attack a defense or an offense or special teams, as it relates to our player's skill set, that's how I wanted to play for the Arizona Cardinals. That was my vision for the team. And um, I just know that Drew's been in a couple different systems. He's been under some really good play callers and coaches. And just seeing his path go through, you know, as he cut his teeth. And, you know, I think he started in the league in 2012 and kind of worked his way up. He's coached tight ends. He's coached receivers. He's coached quarterbacks. Um, he's detailed out with a run game and offensive line play. You know, you got to know it all as the coordinator, you know, and he's not going to be strong everywhere. And you got to, you know, help help him out in certain places but just as his vision for hey here's the schemes i've been in this is how we're going to use kyler it was very appealing to me and you know on top of that i knew that he wanted to be a cardinal and uh, what i was looking for in all of our coaches he has both of those qualities you mentioned yesterday that that accountability, discipline, these do not have to be negative things to players and that and that your players are going to feel the difference from you as a coaching staff. And yet uh, most people would say that if you give a football locker room too much rope, they'll abuse the privilege. So where do you draw the line? Uh, Mark Schlereth, whom we both know very well, says a head coach is going to have to at some point in time instill a little fear. They have enough power to, to really kind of get guys laser focused at all times how do you draw that line what do you think about that yeah that that's not hard for me as long as you're honest and transparent but basically for anybody in this world right you give them a role you tell them hey this is what i need it to look like 
And then if it doesn't look like this, we have to adjust. And when it does look like that, if you do have a day where, hey, this is exactly what we're talking about. If you keep doing this, you fit into the team and we will win games. Then you praise them and you love them up. But when it doesn't hit that standard of what we set for them, then we have to change our behavior. So it's really just defining what winning behavior looks like on a daily basis as it pertains to all five aspects that the players have to maximize themselves and hold them accountable to that. And players want to be coached. They want to be held accountable. They want to improve their game. Uh, And really, we want those guys to be able to really motivate them to do that for, one, the team, and two, themselves. I want to see all these guys become great players. And certain guys have different goals. You know, certain guys on – that I've been around. Hey, I want to be a pro bowler. Hey, I want to be a starter. Hey, I want to play 10 years. Hey, I want to be a backup on this team. Hey, I want to make the practice squad. Hey, I want to make a hundred million dollars in my career. That's all fine. As long as your priorities are the team first and then you. Yeah. And that's what we will stress to our guys, and that's what we're going to hold them accountable to. Yeah, well, you listen, you're off to a real impressive start, my man. I thought it was even more impressive that everybody on that in that locker room wants to play you one-on-one in basketball. <laughs> and when you told me yesterday, you can still throw down, you can still dunk, which is good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like I will say this, you guys. I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking right now. The last 24 hours, I'm actually not. I'm actually. I'm really. This is. This might. I don't know. This might uh, fool you a little bit. I kind of live by the mantra of speak softly and carry a big stick. So I, I'm not a big talker, to be honest with you guys. I, I want to get to work, and uh, the proof is in the pudding. Good. Well, thank you so much, Coach, for uh, joining us. To that pudding. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it, JG. Yeah, see what this all looks like. Thank you so much for joining us. So we appreciate my, it. So does my two-year-old. I'll tell you that. <laughs> see you, man. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you, man. Look forward to talking again. Yes, definitely soon. Jonathan Gannon, head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, you're right. He's man. He's checking a lot of the boxes no, early yeah. on. I mean, it's you hear that and you go, okay, yeah, let's yeah, roll. Yeah. Let's see what this is all about. Let's uh, let's September get here. Yeah. Let's let's see what we're talking about here. Uh, we continue Newsmakers Week, and we do have a Friday edition of the Bickley Blast. It's fire. It is. We'll fire, do it. Fire. <laughs> I'm a disaster. <laughs> no, you're not. The blast is straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.